0: The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Jess. Good morning, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving week. This is my favorite week of the whole year, and I mean that. I love Thanksgiving, not because I enjoy eating. That is a byproduct. But I really enjoy just being able to be with family and uh, hug on my grands. By the way, have you heard? I got another one. Got another grandbaby. Now that's five girls and four boys, and I think Brad and Cass are going to try to have another boy. No, I don't think that's going to happen. But Wednesday, uh, little Everson Dale made her appearance, and uh, seven pounds and 13 ounces, Twenty and one quarter inches long, and uh, nobody—I don't think—guessed uh, what her weight and what her length would be. We all try, but nobody, I think, guessed it. So there's no there's no seers in our family, no prophets in our family. Uh, we just all missed. But she's home. We got to see her Friday for the first time in the flesh, and of course, it was like like worshiping at the manger. You know, it's just it, it, they never grandkids never get old. They never get old. Uh, They are awesome. They're always going to be awesome. And when they come to my house, they get anything they want up to half the kingdom. (laughs) That's just the way it is. And I send them home spoiled. That's just the way it is. And mom and dad have to take care of them. But I I, I, I send out a shout to little Everson Dale, E-V-E-R-S-Y-N. My girls have unique names on their children, and this one is no different. But she named the middle name Dale. That's my middle name for you that don't know. You've been here 20 years and you still don't know my middle name. You need to get to know me better. (laughs) You know, I I, I used to tell people the only thing that people used to name after me were their dogs. (laughs) And I would go and preach in places and I'd say, would somebody please name a child after me? If you love me that much, don't put my name on your dog. And one old boy walked up to me and said, I think that's an honor to call my dog by your name. I think it's an honor. It honors him. I said, "Well, thank you. I'm glad it doesn't honor me. It honors him." <laughs> and, and and finally, I, I heard I heard about ten years ago somebody named their their son after my initials, not after me, but after my initials. And so I got to rejoice in the fact that somebody was named after my initials. But what a joy to see all of you today! Uh, we've got a special day here happening. It's it's uh, November twenty second, and 1982 November 22nd a little boy was born in this town to the Wilkinson family his name was Brad Bradley Keith and he's still a part of this church he's our executive pastor and his wonderful wife our executive pastors here and they do such a wonderful job they do all the executing of what we all desire and they do it with such dignity and aplomb and it's his birthday today would you give Brad a great hand it's his birthday today Brad come on up come on up Brad come on up Brad And then a year later in St. Louis, Missouri, a little girl was born on the same day, November 22nd, 1983, and she belonged to Patty and me, and her name is Cassidy Joy. Cassidy, come on up here. And God moved us here, and I know he did it for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons, I think, was so Brad and Cass could have three kids. And enjoy the benefits and the blessings of this church. And what a joy to celebrate them today. Now, we celebrate them every year. And we'll celebrate them at our house tonight. But we don't normally have church. You know, their birthday doesn't always coincide with church. But today is their birthdays, both of them. Give them a great hand. Got a little gift for you. It's pretty light. Must have something to do with lightness. Thank you so much. Go ahead and open it up. See what it is. See what it is. Yeah. You don't have to tell everybody. I'll tell them. All right. There it is. All right. I got it. I know what it is. I'll oh, wow. help plant it. All right. Love you. Sweet. That's sweet. Love y'all. Happy birthday. We'll see you tonight at the house. It's a, it's a two night stay at a hotel here in Austin and we get to keep the kids. <laughs> oh, Lord, you're, you're sweet people. I love you very much, and I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful to be your pastor, and I mean that from my heart. Would you stand? I want to speak today from the book of Philippians chapter 4, and I promise you I won't be long. This week is going to be a sweet week, a precious week, and I hope it is in your life, and try to make it that for yourself, okay? Let's, let's, let's start today making this a great week in our life. And uh, I'm reading from Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7. It says simply this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. My subject today is circumstance, not. Circumstance, not. I want to talk about it because a lot of people say, you don't know my circumstance. You don't know where I'm at. You don't know where I come from. You don't know what it is about me. Can I tell you, all of us get up every day and we face difficulties. All of us get up every day and we can face victories. But we all get up every day facing life. So I'm going to preach about life a little bit here today. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the pastor. And you may be seated. You're honorable people, and I love you very much. There's an Israeli folktale about a king who wanted to get to know his subjects in his country. So he dressed himself as a monk at night. He would go to the poor part of town to see how those people lived. And one night the disguised king came to put to a simple hut and met a cobbler and his family. The cobbler was a poor man, barely able to support himself, but he praised God continually. Even in his lowest circumstances. And the king was impressed, yet he did a curious thing. The next day, he issued a decree that no one could repair shoes without this costly cobbler permit. And the next night, the king, dressed again to disguise himself, visited the cobbler again. And again, he found a very cheerful cobbler, praising God. And since he could no longer repair shoes, the cobbler earned money that day by drawing and delivering water to his neighbors. And the king was quite impressed and yet bothered. And the cobbler said once more, Blessed be the Lord, he is good. And the next day the king decreed that no one could draw water and carry water. And he returned that night still in disguise to visit the cobbler again. And the cobbler once more greeted him with the proclamation, Blessed be the Lord, he is good. And that day, the cobbler had chopped wood in order to provide his daily bread. So the next morning, the king ordered that wood choppers, all of them, would be required to join the king's guard. He did everything he did, could to take away the earning of the man known as the cobbler. And the cobbler joined the king's guard and was given a shiny steel sword. But that evening, the cobbler had no money to buy food for his family, so he went and sold his shiny steel sword and made himself another sword blade of wood. And he kept his sword in its sheath so no one could tell. But that night the disguised king came to visit one more time. And the cobbler explained to him, thinking he was talking to somebody else, what he had done. And the king asked, But what if they call for a sword inspection tomorrow? And the cobbler replied, Blessed be the Lord, he is good. And the next day the chief guard ordered the cobbler to execute a prisoner. And the poor cobbler had never harmed another person in his life and he couldn't do it even now. But he grasped the handle of his sheathed sword and said boldly in front of everybody, Almighty God, it is known to you that I am not a murderer. If this person is guilty, let my sword be of steel. But if this prisoner is innocent, let the blade be turned into wood. And he pulled the wooden sword from the sheath and displayed it before the amazed guards. And the king came knowing what had happened and hugged the cobbler and explained to him his disguises the last few nights. Then he named the cobbler as his newest newest court advisor and the king proclaimed blessed be the Lord for he is good. The king saw a poor man live such a distorted life and have so many shortcomings and have so many roadblocks that he never stopped praising God. Because the attitude of thankfulness has little to do with people's circumstances. You say amen to that. Imagine a pastor that would conduct 40 to 50 funerals a day, burying nearly 4,500 people in all and those dying dying would be his wife, among those would be his wife. And toward the end, the deaths would be so frequent that the bodies would just be placed in trenches without burial rites or without tombstones. Imagine also that this person would be so thankful for this experience that he had write a song, a hymn, that would be sung by Christians 300 years later on another continent, a fantasy? Not if you're describing Martin Rinkert. A pastor of Germany during the Thirty Year War. He lived in a walled city. The walls were provided a place for hiding for thousands of refugees, and the overcrowding brought an epidemic and a famine, and many died. And all other officials and pastors fled, leaving Rinkhart alone to care for the dying. And he composed this song Now Thank We All Our God. Gratitude does not depend upon circumstances. Imagine, if you will, an old farm boy that would be wiped out financially because it rained too much and everything was covered with water and he couldn't farm. Let's also specify that when the land did reappear and dry a bit, he'll offer one-seventh of his remaining assets as a thanksgiving to God. Incredible? Not if you're describing Noah because you see gratitude does not depend upon circumstance. Or invent an army general whose lines of supply would fall apart. Let's say his men will be starving. Their uniforms will be ragged and their shoes will be bottomless. And they'll walk on frozen turf, frozen frozen footing with no shoes to hold back the cold. And when the ordeal is over, he'll issue a proclamation of thanksgiving. A fairy tale? Maybe, unless you're describing George Washington, the father of our nation. For gratitude does not depend upon circumstance, create a character who will have no family and no home. He'll be afflicted with a horrible disease, perhaps one that causes blindness and infection in his eyes and making people have to look away because they can't stand to look at him, decorate his body with scars all over from rods and whips and stones. And let's say that in nearly every letter he writes, even when he's in jail unjustly, he'll thank God for the privilege of suffering for him. Unreal? No, not if you're speaking about the Apostle Paul who wrote half the New Testament for gratitude. Does not depend upon circumstances. I don't know what you're going through in your life today. I just know you showed up at church and that's a win-win for Jesus and for you because the Lord loves his people to be in his house. But I don't know what you're up against. I don't know what wind you're walking into. I don't know what mountain you're climbing. I don't know what river you're trying to ford. I don't know what's happening in your life. But I do know one thing, that God is God and he is worthy of our praise and our thanks no matter where we are in our life. Would you clap your hands all over this house and give him some gratitude no matter what your circumstance is? One of my favorite stories in the Bible, I'm going to read it verse by verse. Verse. It's not going to be on the screen, but I love Luke 17. Dr. Luke wrote a beautiful, beautiful book, and he also wrote the book of Acts. And what a a writer. He tells a story in his 17th chapter about 10 lepers. The Bible said, as Jesus entered into a certain village, there met him 10 men that were lepers, which stood afar off. They lived in what was called the lepers' village, just outside of the city walls on the side of the valley of Sheol, the valley of hell. They lived between the city of refuge and hell. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourself to the priest. And it came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And fell down on his face, at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered, and said, Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise and go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Can I just stop right here and kind of get ahead of myself and tell you that when you have a thanksgiving heart, you're not half there, you're not three quarters there, you're whole when you have a thanksgiving heart. Come on, somebody, say, Lord, make me whole this week. I want a heart of thanks. I want a heart of giving. I want a heart of thanksgiving in my life. This story fascinates me because they all had leprosy. They were all dying by inches. Their skin was cursed. Their sores, there's holes in the flesh, exposing the joints. Their ears swell up. They swell up so much they hang down because of the weight. The nose might disappear in leprosy and the tongue become thick and cracked. May not all be equally decorated at the same time, yet it's only a matter of time that what one was, the other would become. And they all had the same living conditions. They were all outcast. They were required to cover their faces and leave their hair uncombed. That was part of it. You can't comb your hair. And they had to warn others to keep their distance by crying unclean, unclean. And they lived not in an eight month pandemic, but a constant pandemic. Anything they touched, any house they entered, was pronounced unfit for others until it was cleansed by a special ritual. If they did come to the synagogue, they had to sit over here in a special place away from everybody. You're talking about social distancing. They couldn't hardly be seen. You and, my, you and my, I might have felt sorry for them, but their families probably didn't. For the rabbis taught that leprosy was God's punishment for some gross sin that they had committed. And the marks of their sickness etched on their bodies were big signs reading, Here walks the scum of the earth. So their misery did not excite pity but it exacted scorn and all had the same living conditions. Say it all All. had the same living conditions. They all even shared a trust in Jesus and they all went to him and they all came as close as they dared. Can I tell you something folks? Jesus would have walked up and touched them. He would have walked up and touched them because he wasn't afraid of their pandemic. He wasn't afraid of their sin. He wasn't afraid of their suffering. He wasn't afraid of it. He would have done it, and he will do it for us. I want to tell everybody in this house that you may feel like you're a walking dead man or a walking dead woman, but I'm here to declare, if you'll put some thanks in your spirit this week, God will reverse the curse in your life. Thanksgiving will make you whole. And their prayer that they prayed, we borrow every Sunday, Lord, have mercy on us. And more than that, they obeyed Jesus, all of them. He ordered them to go show themselves to the priest, the Department of Health of their country. And they all went before they had any sign of a cure. And as Luke reports, as they went, they were cleansed. They were furthermore all alike in being healed. Because lepers can't feel anything, but feeling began to come back to their body. Tent came back to their flesh. And excitement replaced heartache. And the thought of going home and seeing mom and seeing the kids and being reconnected with society was absolutely overwhelming. And looking at one another with open wonder, they all had the same circumstance but nine scattered to the winds, and only one turned back to offer thanks. And it's painfully clear that gratitude does not depend upon circumstance. What can account for the difference between the nine and the one? It could well be this, that the nine wanted the gift, and one wanted the giver of the gift. Can I tell you the difference in true Christianity and just coming to church? Not just saying, God, give me, give me, give me the gift, the gift, the gift, give me healing, give me this. I want you in my life, God. That's the difference. I want you in my life. You want to be made whole? Start loving the giver of the gift and not just the gift of the giver. Somebody say amen to that. I want to tell you about a little boy a little boy 10 years old in a little town of 895 people when he was 10 years old. Asked God for a voice. Wasn't any preachers in my family. I was raised in a family besides mom and dad of outlaws. People that would hurt you before they'd help you. My own brother took his life. That's not easy to say, but it's just a hurt family. It was a hurt people. But God took a kid off of a back porch and blessed him in his ministry and allowed him to come to the greatest city in all of America 30 years ago and set up camp here and raised three precious little girls here with a beautiful wife and give us nine grandkids now on this Sunday. And we're here preaching to the finest people in all America right here today. Let me tell you something. Every now and then I wanna bow down. And I wanna say thank you. thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. There's nothing like praising him for the goodness that he's shown to us and all of us. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. Give thanks to him today. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. There's some people that are out to exploit God in the nine were to get what they could from him. Many are like that today. They only need him when they're in a spot. World War II gave us a proverb called foxhole prayers. And there's no atheist in foxholes. And when the bullets and the bombs were screaming, people prayed and couldn't do any harm, could it? We'll pray. But when the crisis was over, so was the praying. And in a sense, the nine former lepers were still sick because they wasn't full of thankfulness. The public health department pronounced them clean. But Jesus told one man, you're whole, you're whole. If you look up that word, it means that God remade him. The nose grew back, the ears got right, the eyes were okay, the hands were not gnarled anymore. He made him whole. I preach about a savior today that can take you from the gutter the most blessed place in all the world and somebody on your row needs to give him thanks today. I'm looking at rows that have 10 to 12 people. I'd like for more than just one on that row to say thanks today. I'd like for the whole row to stand to your feet right now and clap to the Lord and say thank you Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this week. Thank you for this day. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for touching me. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for blessing my family. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's all right to praise the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Continually be in my mouth. You may be seated. Thankfulness has little to do with people's circumstance. You're either thankful Oh, you're entitled. I read about a pastor who told about a particular hectic week that he had at church, and he got up early one day to go to an early appointment at 6.30, he pulled into the parking lot. And he noticed a woman cutting through the parking lot. And it was early, and he assumed she was headed to work. And he opened the car door, and their eyes met, and he greeted her with, another day, another dollar. And the woman paused for a moment smiled at him cheerfully. She replied, and ain't it a blessing? Then she continued on her way. The pastor was unsure what to make as she walked away. There was a bounce in her step. She had probably gotten up at least an hour before him, ridden a bus downtown, then caught another bus to arrive at her place of employment. She would probably spend the day taking care of somebody's kids cleaning another family's house. She had nothing to be happy about. But yet she saw the day as a blessing. And the pastor reflected while he saw it as a grind. The pastor got out of his car when she disappeared and he took a deep breath of fresh air and looked toward the east. The sun was just beginning to brighten the sky. And he said, Psalms 118, this is the day the Lord has made. And he paused and he said, and a woman whose name I didn't know had to remind me to rejoice and be glad. I don't want anybody to steal my thanks to the Lord. When you sit out on Thursday and you look at your kids and you look at your wife and you look at your husband and you look at your family, and even if you sit by yourself, remember, there's a difference between being lonely and being alone. You're never alone with Jesus Christ. You're never alone. And you can raise your hands... In the simplicity of your table and whatever you have to eat, if you don't eat turkey, you're still cool. If you eat gumbo, you're, you're great. If you eat hot dogs and hamburgers, so be it. Let it be. Let it be. But whatever you put in your mouth, be grateful and thankful that this is a day the Lord has made and nobody has to remind you to be grateful for it. Come on. Clap your hands. Clap your hands. So how does it happen that someone like Paul can give thanks to God in such limited circumstances? Paul indicates that it has something to do with the rich and a productive prayer life. Philippians 4 and 6, he said, have no anxiety, it's my text today, but in everything by prayer. And supplication with thanksgiving, make your request. In other words, when you pray, pray with thanks. When you supplicate, supplicate with thanks. And let your request be made known to God. And people who have thankful hearts, are people of prayer. It just makes sense. Those who live close to God are most aware of their dependence on God and are most aware of God's goodness and providence. There's a doctor in the house today, and I didn't ask you if I could quote him, but I'm going to quote him right now. His name is Dr. Kendall Stewart, and I've gone to him many times. Dr. Kendall, forgive me. I've gone to him many times, and he always has the same saying. It's always the same. Pastor, God's the healer. Yes, he is. I just help him with the process. Thank you, doctor. Let me tell you something. That's what I'm doing today. God's the healer. I'm trying to help you with the process today. Because when you get a grateful heart, there's something happens to you that nothing else can take the place of. Clap your hands and say, I rejoice in the Lord. I rejoice in the Lord. One missionary wrote this. He said, Nothing so pleases God in connection with our prayer as our praise. And nothing so blesses the person who prays, which he offers, uh, 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 as the praise which he offers. Praise and praise. When you pray, praise and give him thanks. The missionary continued, I got a blessing one day, he said. I liked it. I read it. I liked it. I had received some sad news from home, and deep shadows had covered my soul. And I prayed but the darkness did not vanish. Then I went to the mission home and these words were written on the wall. Try Thanksgiving. I did. And in a moment, every shadow was gone, never to return. The way to shoo away the shadows is have a heart of Thanksgiving. I thank you, Lord. You know, that Samaritan that went back to him couldn't probably go to a Jewish priest Because he was a Samaritan, but he could turn around and go back to the one that had fixed him and say, thanks. And he was made whole. Here's what I want to tell you. It doesn't matter what your life is like at home. It doesn't matter what you have to put up with. You have a God that hears you when you pray to him and hears you when you praise him. And he hears you when you say, thanks, Lord. Why don't we do that this whole week? Why don't we just add on to our thank you list all week long? God, i want to thank you for everything. You know, David said it's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. People who are close to God are, are thankful people. They may be very poor, wealthy, but outer circumstance is not the defining condition. One of the most successful golfers, I, I, I love this man, I've always wanted to meet him, it's been my bucket list, is a man named Gary Player. Gary Player was born in poverty in South Africa, and he recalls his childhood as one of loneliness and pain and, and adversity. His mom died when he was eight years old, and his daddy worked in the mines all of his life to provide for the children. And Gary said, we were so poor that I used to take off my shoes whenever I could so they would last longer. Player turned professional in 1953, and he's won over 150 tournaments, and he continues as a great representation and a celebrity for the game of golf, and he's such a wonderful man, a Christian man. And he never forgot the real source of his success. Never. He said this, and I quote: golf is a talent that God loaned to me. Thank you, Lord. You didn't ever loan me that one. In everything. You have no idea how often, he said, I get down on my knees in gratitude and say, thank you, Lord. See, our sense of gratitude must not come from our outer circumstance, but from our connectedness to God. Thankful people live close to God. And when we drift from God, we tend to become discontented. So Paul wraps up Philippians like this. Greet every saint in Jesus Christ. The brethren who are with me greet you, and all the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. The saints of Caesar's household salute you. Doesn't get any worse than that, folks. Caesar's household. Pastor, you don't know my situation. I know these people's situation. Caesar's household. Can you imagine the pain of being a Christian in an anti-Christ place? And having to put up with all the slang and all the verbiage against the Lord that you worship. The daily grind of saying bless the Lord for he is good. And Paul writes this promise, the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So whatever you have to go home to, whatever you have to go to work in front of, whatever you have to face in your life, understand that God sees you even if you're having to work in Caesar's household and you're having to live there, just keep blessing the Lord because God's peace will reign on you if you remain grateful and thankful in your life. Amen, amen, amen. I'm closing. Novelist A.J. Cronin tells of a physician friend who often prescribed a thank you cure for depressed and frustrated people. He would insist that for six weeks the person would say thank you at least 10 times. And thank people for ever kindness and keep a record of it. According to Cronin, the doctor had a remarkable cure, right? There's something about gratitude, attitude that brings peace to our hearts, that lightens our spirit that makes glad our every waking hour. Everybody say, "Blessed be the Lord, for he is good. It has little to do with outward circumstance, all to do with prayer. I'm going to close with First Thessalonians chapter 5 today. I'm going to close here. I love Thessalonians because Thessalonian people believed in the second coming of Jesus Christ. And they also believed in restoring people. Thessalonian, The Thessalonian church was a restoring factor. They had a restoration factor. They believed that people could be restored. Not every church in the days believed that. But when Paul got to writing about Demas, who was with him at once, he said, Demas, my fellow laborer. Then the second time he mentioned him, he just called him Demas. And the third time he talked about him, he said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. But Paul left us with with a plum, with a positive plum. He said, and he's departed to Thessalonica. What he was saying was, if there's any church in the world that can restore his joy and restore his faith, Thessalonica can. And he's gone to Thessalonica. I don't know what you want this church to look like and be called in in Austin, but I'd like to be called a church that can restore people and bring life to people and absolutely restore hope that there is something better in life than what I've been living. Would you clap your hands and agree with that right now? So there's three things. There's three things, and I will close. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now you got to understand this this people he's writing to. Paul says in verse 16, rejoice evermore. That's not easy to do. Rejoice yourself. Rejoice evermore. Just keep rejoicing. Just keep rejoicing. Don't ever stop rejoicing. Don't ever stop thanking and praising and loving and sharing the good things about God in your life. Just Just rejoice. Wherever you are, when you walk into a room, Light it up because you've just been praising God, getting out of your car. When things go bad in your life, just keep rejoicing because God is good to you and he blesses you. And then he says, pray without ceasing. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. As Pastor Brad said it so well, that's a heart issue. Just keep a prayer on your heart. Keep a prayer in your soul. And when you're on pause, when your mind's on pause, your heart is praying and saying, God, I love you. I love you. I thank you for today. And this is, the next verse is the hardest verse in the Bible to live, and I'm going to quote it to you today. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, you hear me. Listen to me. Not in every good thing, but in everything. When things are splatting, when you're falling apart, when your family's walked out, when nobody is there to say, hey, you matter. Well, come to church next Sunday, because I'll tell you, you matter again. But when things are not going your way, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. You know, when I saw this, I saw this when I went through my tragedy. I saw that I had to give thanks in everything. Not just the good stuff. Not just the birth of nine grands, not just three wonderful, beautiful daughters and three hairy legged son in laws. No, not just that. But I had to give thanks in everything. Everything. When you give thanks in everything, something happens to you. Something happens to you when you give thanks in everything. In everything. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Woo, hallelujah in everything. But pastor, you don't know my situation in everything. I married a beautiful little couple that was married in a tribal ceremony in Africa years ago and they have some precious babies and they wanted a Christian ceremony and they started coming to our church. A year and a half ago, and they've fallen in love with Christian life, and they're in first service, and they're just precious. They're just precious. His name is Army, and her name is Asay. Last name is Ojo. What a, what a beautiful couple. And when I was doing their wedding on Friday, they were the most serious people I've ever done a wedding for. They were just locked. And I thought, okay, I'm not doing real good. And then I looked at her, what a beautiful lady. I looked at her, tears were just running down her face. And I said, I'm doing better than I thought. And when I got through, they hugged me so tight. Pastor, we feel so privileged to get to be married by a Christian pastor. In everything, in everything, give thanks. And then yesterday I laid to rest, a beautiful lady used to be a member of this church and her and her husband moved away to Paducah, Texas. Her name was Kay. And she had dementia, frontal lobe dementia, which is a fast, fast kind, and it took her down real quick. And I did her funeral yesterday. My little girl was born Wednesday. I did a beautiful wedding on Friday. and Then I, I had to bury Kay on Saturday and she was one of those people that just never caused anything but joy in the church. And she's gone. And she's not that much older than me, like three months. And I thought, God, and the Lord said, you're preaching about this tomorrow. Give thanks in everything for this is the will of Christ Jesus concerning you. This is what I want you to do. And I know we've gone through a pandemic and I've buried people here and I'm not trying to be sad sack today. I'm not. I'm just trying to help you with your gratefulness here today. Because it's not about circumstance. It's not about what you're going through. It's about who you serve and who you love and who you worship. Would you stand to your feet? It's, It's time to quit. And I love you. And I want you to have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. I want you to have a great one. I really do. The best ever. Lord, we need something good. But I thank you, Lord, for the pandemic, whatever. I thank you. Because it brought us to a realization that we need you in our life. Father, I love this crowd. I love these people. And I thank, them. thank you for them. And as we raise our hands all over the building right now, let's do that. God, let us lift our hands to you, the only one that can help us, the only one that can fill us, the only one that can touch our lives, the only one that can make us whole is you. And we're going to give you thanks all this week and we're going to give you praise and honor. We're going to rejoice evermore. We're going to pray without ceasing and we're going to give thanks in everything. For it's in Jesus' name. Now look up here at me. Look up here at me. Pastor Brad and Pastor Cass, want me to tell you, and my wife, Sweet Pea, the first lady, wants me to tell you, and I'm going to tell you, you're loved here. And you're needed here, and you're wanted here. And we want you to have a great Thanksgiving. And whatever you eat, dear Lord, don't get sick on it. Don't eat so much, you have to go get sick on it. Just eat enough, because God will give you some more the next day. I love you. You that will be here Tuesday night, we'll look forward to seeing you. I got something special for you on Thursday, so look online for something special from the pastor staff. God bless. Have a super, super week. Your love. Thank you. Your love. Your love. Very, very much. God bless you.